2: Welcome to the Extra Sauce Podcast. It's my fancy sauce. I want some fancy sauce. Yeah. I'm not done using it. With the czar of sauces, Greg Hill. Let's get started. I can't, I have been, in, the anticipation is killing me, Joe. Oh, yeah. This is, this may be. Well, it's certainly one of the highlights of my of my uh, twenty six years on the radio. The the uh, this particular guest that we're uh, we're going to talk to in a moment on the podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: We're, we're going behind the ear moth, and, and this is
0: this is truly like in its purest form an ear moth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
2: The epitome, one hit wonder. Yep. Nineteen seventy two. Yep. Everybody has sang it mm-hmm. at a bar late yep. night. Yep. Uh, a lot of people don't know. If you asked them who the artist was, they would have no frigging idea. Right. Um, it's been it, in TV, TV movies. movies yeah. Um, it's, it's a a tale of uh, unrequited love. Yep. Between a sailor and a barmaid. Oh, you're giving away too much. Oh, I am. Okay. All right. So <laughs> on the, on the podcast this week, we go behind the mu- uh behind the earmoth, Yes. And then after that. We were on the, on the show this week. We were discussing the horror that is the traffic in our region and how it never gets better even after the big dig. And so Chu has tracked down a national traffic analyst, and right. an, an engineer. One,
0: one that was willing to talk to us. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and
2: we're going to find out why the big dig Did nothing to make the traffic better, and why it seems like it's worse. Like it seems it's worse to me. Like I, I, I come into the city for events and stuff uh, a weeknight. I can't. Mm -hmm. I got to leave an hour and a
0: half. Maybe you're just not used to it.
2: Well, maybe because you don't drive yourself very often. (laughs) I do. I drive myself (laughs) occasionally, Uh, but it just. I mean, it's it's not. So um, we'll get to that. But let's begin with this.
1: It's time to go Behind the
2: Earlock on the Extra Sauce Podcast. It is a distinct honor to welcome Elliot Lurie to Extra Sauce. He is the lead singer of Looking Glass, a band that had a number one hit in 1972 with Brandy, You're a Fine
0: Girl. Oh. You don't even have to hear the song. No, just, you just the title, and it's already echoing in my you're brain.
2: You're already, you're already going, do yeah. <laughs> Elliot, thank you for joining us on Extra Sauce. Yes. I got to tell you, this may be no, it's not, not maybe. This is the culmination, the highlight of my twenty six years in broadcasting. It is, an, it is amazing to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
3: Uh, I am flattered to hear
2: that and I'm glad to be with you. <laughs> um Brandy was my dad's favorite song. And so I heard it frequently on a on a 45 record um on the big gigantic uh record player that we had over and over again as a kid. And I I've I've always wondered, I've often wondered who was that fine girl Brandy. Was that a woman that you knew? Was that a uh, had you heard an old uh, had you encountered an old sailor who had told you this story?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, no. the The story itself is is uh, is made up. I was uh, I was pretty active in high school and college as a uh, writer of of uh, fiction. And when I started writing songs, I found that I was pretty good at writing those kind of uh, uh, linear stories, and, and better at that than I was at uh, you know kind of. Uh, uh, songs loaded with with metaphors and all, but the name came uh, the name Brandy came from a uh, high school sweetheart of mine. Her name was actually Randy with an R, and I uh, wrote the song as I often do, just playing some chord changes and singing whatever came to mind over it. And I was singing her name over it. And when the story started to come together about a barmaid, I said, well, she should be Brandy now, not Randy. So, um, <laughs> that's where that came from.
2: Yeah, I guess it wouldn't sound the same if it was Randy, you're a fine girl. I mean, I think yeah. it's yeah. No, um,
3: no, it would not. So there's a little ambiguity about that name, too. Yeah. <laughs> were you uh,
2: were you ever able to and of course, uh, I would be the one to think about this based on my history, but were you ever able to to go back and, uh, and 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 uh, demonstrate to Randy what a success he would become by uh, <laughs> by by writing a, a hit song, changing the the letters, and and uh, were you able to use that to get her back or anything.
3: Uh, after... <laughs> well, I didn't try to attempt to get her back, but I did reconnect with her, uh, as you do with a lot of people, through the uh, wonder of of Facebook. So I, I reconnected with her a number of years ago, and uh, she. Uh, is living where she has always lived, up in the Pacific Northwest. And incredibly, because she's about my age, um, just about seven or eight years ago, uh, took up art uh, doing um, pastels. And she's quite excellent at it. And I, I bought one for a painting. So I have an, have an original Randy or original Brandy hanging in my, <laughs> in my home. <laughs> That's pretty cool. She
0: didn't ask for a check or yeah. anything, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want? Well,
2: speaking of a check, I always think it's so interesting. How, how many, how many copies of of Brandy have have been sold? It, it, well, in the millions, right?
3: Well, I, I really don't know the answer to that because when we we got a gold record for it way back when it was a hit, and back in those days, a gold uh, single represented a million physical sales of singles. You know, nowadays between the downloads and the streaming, uh, it, it's hard to find accurate numbers. But um, uh, uh, you know, I will tell you this: that when I see the results of streaming, I mean there are millions and millions of streams of it every three months so it's still out there
2: but but you guys really didn't make a lot of money off of the song it's i was reading about you made some money because you wrote it but the guys from the guys in the band really didn't make money till like 1999 or something is that right
3: well we uh we kept getting statements from the record company up until about the late 90s that showed that we were still unrecouped you know that our account was unrecouped and if you or your listeners know much about uh uh, record record company bookkeeping. That's uh, it's not terribly uncommon uh, for the, for them to tell you, well, you haven't recouped your advance yet, or you haven't recouped the expenses of making the album. But finally, but in the late nineties, we we finally get into the plus column.
2: <laughs> well, that's wow. good. Yeah. Twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, I um, was also reading that oftentimes you will meet people. Looking Glass is a is a New Jersey what is a New Jersey band um and that you will meet people in New Jersey randomly who will tell you that they were in looking glass and that uh, and that they're the is that
3: correct? They they don't tell me but I have I have gotten lots of messages from people all around the country not only in New Jersey saying, hey I met the guy who was your baseball you know and, and unfortunately the the guy who was a bass player in, uh, in Looking Glass uh, passed away many years ago. So, <laughs> so there's guys uh-huh. running around
2: saying, hey, I sing that song, Brandy. Like they're at, they're at karaoke or they're right. at a bar, yeah. and they're like, yeah, I sang that. I had a hit with that song in 1972. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, well, you know what? That's that's a testament
0: to the song again. Not only are people still playing it and downloading it, but guys are still saying they they were in looking glass <laughs> to try to get laid. <laughs>
3: they, yeah. I, I, I guess I they figure nobody really knows who was in looking glass. Nobody knows Brandy. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. raise by hand that I was in the
2: band. The um, is it true that the, that the name Brandy in 1973 became way more popular than it ever was before because of the song?
3: I've seen... Uh, I've seen statistical information that shows that after 1972, the number of uh, girl babies who were named Brandy uh, shot up astronomically.
0: That's amazing. um, You affected the human race,
2: (laughs) dude. That's amazing. (laughs) I also uh, was interested to learn that the band sounded an awful lot different than the song Brandy, and that that actually affected – you, you may say differently, but that actually affected your career because there were a lot of people, and this happens with bands sometimes, there were a lot of people going to your shows expecting to hear this yacht rock-like uh, looking glass band, and you guys were actually a pretty hard rock band. Is that right?
3: Yeah, well, we we came up as a bar band and as a fraternity band. We went to Rutgers University, and we came became quite popular as a a bar band, and we would do six sets a night of, of covers, and we were a quartet, you know, guitar, bass, uh, drums, and keyboards. So our sound was pretty, you know, sort of garage rock, band rock. And, uh, you know, Brandy, we aimed for a hit record with that. So, you know, it's, it's quite produced, and it has the horn section on it. It's got uh, uh, one of the great session percussion players from the day plan on it. And uh, when we traveled, we didn't have the horns or any of that kind of stuff. And uh, we also had another writer in the band beside myself. who so I-, I thought was an excellent writer, but his style was very different than mine. It was a little more uh, rock edged. So yeah, once we had the hit, and then we'd come out and play. Uh, not much of our set sounded a lot like the Brandy record, <laughs> and it was uh, you know it was t- it was tough to uh, uh, it was tough to build a live career uh, when we sounded so different from uh, from the hit.
2: So they didn't expect to see a bunch of long-haired hippie types when they uh, when they went to see Looking Glass. <laughs> is that right?
3: Yeah, and we were, we were lucky; there were no music videos.
2: You. <laughs> were you guys, uh, by any chance, uh, coming up in New Jersey the the same time, bar-wise that uh, that the great Bruce Springsteen was?
3: We were actually, although uh, we we did not cross paths that often because. Uh, his, uh, his band, uh, which I think was called Steel Mill at the time was Bruce's, uh, bar band. Uh, and they played more in, on the shore and we played more sort of in the central Jersey and then sort of west towards Pennsylvania. Uh, but we were very aware of them. I mean, you know, uh, as I say, we were sort of a, a hot bar band and so were they. So we, we were aware of them.
2: The, um, Paul Stanley said that the, that that song inspired uh, "Hard Luck uh, Woman." I, 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 do you hear from other artists, or have you heard over the years from other artists that that uh, Brandy was an influence on that?
3: Uh, I you know, I, I've I've heard uh, less specific things than that. Although I have heard that story about the, about the Paul Stanley track. Um, yeah, I've heard less specific things than that, but like people, you know, who have written other sort of story songs, you know, saying that they were influenced by Brandy, Yeah.
2: Um, and, and what about covers? And uh, Kenny Chesney does one. Do you uh, do you have a favorite brandy cover?
3: Uh I, I really I really like the Kenny Chesney version. It's very uh it's very faithful to the original. Uh, you know, but it's got a little of the of the the Kenny and, and the Jimmy Buffett kind of a flavor to it. Um so I, I really quite like it. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers were just real good too because yeah. they kind of sound the way we sounded doing it in the bar because they're like a little four piece band too. Yeah. So, so when they do it, they sound like the way we did doing it in the bars years ago.
0: It must have been great for you when Guardians of the Galaxy totally featured Brandy. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you worked in the movie, you work or still work in the movie business. In that area, your uh, music supervisor. So when that uh, came, I in...
3: don't, I don't really do it anymore. I gave that up a, a couple of years ago. But I was in that business uh, for a long time. On the other side of it, you know, I was working uh, as the music supervisor on the picture, or as the executive for a while, uh, in charge of music at one of the studios. And my job was to get the rights for songs and put them, you know, put the make sure that they were clear properly and, and that they could use it. So, yeah, it, but this was was great with Guardians. um I had seen the first one, uh, and not the kind of movie I would normally gravitate towards, but um, I had heard so many good things about it that I put the DVD in, and I was hooked on it. And then when I heard all the great 70s songs they were using, I, I, I was a little you know—I I was a little disappointed that they didn't use Brandy in the first one. I thought, you know, I think that would fit in. <laughs> um, and then when I got the request for the second one, and especially when I saw the script pages and the way uh, James Gunn was going to use it, uh, I was just knocked out.
2: Well, this has been an absolute honor. I, maybe I'll end it by going do 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 Oh yeah, um, in my head you all guys day. good doing that. <laughs> we saw, Yeah, we had some harmony there. We, we some... Every time
3: I'm up in the Boston area, I know to call for backup.
2: Well, listen. I mean, I am trying to someday. I'm going to put together like a whole ear moth uh, concert for my foundation, and I I would love love
3: to have you play Brandy. I mean, I would, I would... that would be fabulous. What, now tell me what 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 are number two and number three if I'm number one? Um,
2: well, I guess Shannon is a big one. Yeah. Uh, they- okay. Um yeah key largo uh, is key largo one Yeah key largo Bertie Higgins key, key largo Bertie Higgins Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Bertie Higgins
3: is, I hear from Bertie every once in a while Good. Yeah
2: Good yeah no <laughs> and so I mean I you know occasionally wildfire yeah. uh, gets oh, yeah. uh, gets in there yeah. you know so and? <laughs> and for some reason Benny mardonez
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Benny Mardones <laughs> Benny Mar- <laughs> into okay. the night
3: This nights. sounds like a what- it sounds like it would be quite an interesting concert. I think it would. I
2: think it would. <laughs> the good thing is that nobody would come there like when they went to see Looking Glass. They would know what they're going to
3: expect. They'd hear
2: what they were going to expect. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah.
3: exactly. All right. You get a good house band and, uh, yeah. and a nice big house band would be able to handle all of that. Oh, right.
2: I could sing every frigging word of it. Oh, uh, boy. You don't really want <laughs> that. Though. Yeah. No. Well, Elliot, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us to give us a little extra sauce on Brandy. You're a fine girl. And, uh, and we enjoyed the heck out of talking to you.
3: Thanks, guys. My foot. They
1: say, they say, Brandon, you're a
3: fine girlfriend.
2: all downhill from here. I mean, now that I've interviewed Elliot uh, and uh, talked about Brandy, there's really not much else left to do in the career. I, I can't even hear what you're saying now because the song is just <laughs> full blast in my brain right now. On the show this week, we discussed the never-ending traffic issues here in the city of Boston and throughout Massachusetts. Can I, I, would,
0: can I just say this? what this came uh, from? Yeah. So I'm sitting at home and uh, I get a call from Greg. And he's like, "Shoe, can we get like a traffic expert on the air or something? I've been sitting here on 128 for like two hours. This is ridiculous. It's
2: the worst. It's When's ridiculous. When, you can't, you can be on 128 at 11 a.m. Or, or 1 p.m. and you're not going anywhere. Or 11 p.m. sometimes. Or 11 yeah. p.m. Yeah. Same same with the expressway. Right, and, and the pike. Right, and yeah. mean, meanwhile, we spent 1000000000s on the big dig, and I'm right. not sure. I'm not sure that it did anything. I'm convinced
0: and, if Monkey was driving, yeah. I would have not gotten that yeah, phone so
2: call. Monkey would have called me. Probably, yeah, it would have. Been.
0: Sure, do something about this traffic. <laughs> call an expert or something. I'll give you a bottle. Of, give you a bottle of gin.
2: <laughs> so, um, we went in search of a true traffic expert and came up with David Schrank, who is from Texas A&M University. He's a civil engineer. He focuses in, on uh, traffic sounds very exciting and uh, we want to talk to David about what exactly is going on here so David thank you for joining us with a little extra sauce on Boston traffic
1: I uh, appreciate it
2: you have you have some experience driving our our highways and byways here in the commonwealth correct
1: yes i have uh, been up to boston a few times in the last couple 3 years and uh, drive some of the roads like i495 i95 i93 so i've 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 been on some of them and i've seen some traffic <laughs> well we had a discussion
2: on the show the other day and it appears to me anyway and and to a, a lot of listeners that things have not gotten better since the big dig and in fact over the last year and year and a half they've gotten worse and i i I, you know, shoe went out and found you. You you know you're a, you're a uh, you're a, you're an expert on this kind of thing. It, it, does this happen in major metropolitan areas where you undertake a, a major project like the big dig and and then by the time the project is is ready, there's there's way too many cars and it it uh, basically outdoes its purpose.
1: Well, I I would say that two things there. Uh, yes, it does happen and in some ways you you almost sort of want it to happen because <laughs> because if it if you if a city an area region is not growing is not increasing in population is not adding jobs um, then it's probably not not a good economy going on locally hmm. and so you have you have the the luxury there and if you want to call it luxury in <laughs> quotes of a place where there's a lot of work. A place where there are a lot of schools, yeah and also a place where people want to come and visit. Mm. and so all those things combined uh, means there are a lot of uh, a lot of trips occurring in the region and, and even support trips, meaning commercial activities, truck deliveries, things that have to happen for all those people to live, work, and play in Boston.
0: It took someone from out of state to say something actually positive about the traffic we go through <laughs> yeah. every day. It's unbelievable.
1: Well, I I drive in Houston. I drive in Dallas, Fort Worth. So uh, uh, I I see some of these things, you know. And but as you pointed out about the big dig, you know, yes, it takes a lot of time for something that that massive to be put in place, um, but. In that amount of time, how many hundreds of thousands of people moved into the Boston region you know and 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 uh, we still have relatively low fuel prices now compared to uh, ten years ago, and so there's 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 the added benefit, I guess you could say, of driving is still relatively comfortable from a price perspective, so there's there's a lot of people taking vacations, long drives. Um, Etc. To to a place like uh, Massachusetts, with the history and and obviously the the tourism locations like the Cape and such.
2: How um, when when it comes to the viability of a public transportation system, when when you look at some metro areas and and traffic issues, how important is it to have a well running viable public transportation system because we have some issues with ours here. And I, I wonder if that's a factor.
1: Um, th- it's, it's with public transport, actually with transportation period, it's a very, uh, localized, you know, system. Mm-hmm. Every city is different. It, it's laid out differently. It has different needs and etc. You know, that being said, um, an area that is so compact like uh Boston and you know others New York etc., in in the northeast um public transportation has a, has the opportunity to work pretty well because there's a lot of opportunity to use it yeah uh unlike the southern and western cities that are so spread out that were designed around the automobile uh you know that's not the case in the northeast and the midwest and so there's the opportunity there, and and i'm I'm certain that the transportation agencies um, in that area are are working together to try to figure out how to move people uh, in the most efficient way. It, sometimes it's uh, the problem with with transportation is it often takes a decade to go from "This is a good idea." To actually having something out there if it involves concrete or yeah. tunneling or bridges and those kind of things because they don't happen overnight and unfortunately overnight another you know hundred families moved into the region
2: right what uh-huh. do you um, speaking of tunneling what do you think of Elon Musk and these tunnels that he wants to build under major metropolitan areas
1: Uh you know, if if you sat here a hundred years ago and said we're going to have big dig projects, yeah, yeah. people would have gone, huh? <laughs> uh, that's kind of you know, wow. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I I think that the future of transportation and you know even um, our our urban living may look very different and be very different than what we have what we know today. I I just think back to. 10 years ago and I barely knew how to use a flip phone. Yeah. Yeah, you no know, much less the one I have now that could put a man on the moon yeah. know, back <laughs> in the 70s.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I in Boston for a long time it's it's changing now. But there there were not a lot of options when it came to affordable living in the city. And I'm wondering if when you look at metropolitan areas and traffic issues if that's something as well. We have an awful lot of people who need to commute into the city and out of the city to go to their job?
1: I think that that you see that a lot across the country. Um, you know, the the downtown living, the lofts, and those kind of things are are not something a a. Uh, uh, a, a younger person can afford as, as an entry-level salary kind of thing, and so they tend to have to live a, far, a little further out, um, and, and you know, a, a family may have to live even further out if they want a uh, uh, stand-alone home with a lawn and all that kind of thing just because um, those prices drop a little bit the further you go, and of course the jobs don't necessarily move out. They may stay in central boston or or at least congregated in the in the more urban area, and so you you tend to have this you know, inward flow in the morning outward in the evening, and you know you hear the stories coming out of California about people with two or three hour drives oh, yeah. because they're living somewhere where uh, they they can afford to live or they like the schools and other things that go along with choosing that house location, but they spend. You know, I don't know how many hours a week driving back and forth into the L.A. Orange Beach area.
0: I have a question. I want to go back to mass transit for a little bit. And um, I think it's about more about willingness. And if I may quote the movie Singles, where they had a character who was promoting like a, a hyper uh, luxurious train that would go in and out of Seattle. <laughs> and no one would back him because, and this, it was the same answer every time, people love their cars. Yeah. You know, they're in control. They have the music they want. They listen to whatever. Um, You don't have to interact with other people. Right. So have you ever studied on how is there a way to lure people? Like is there a way to get people to actually use the mass transit system more besides the basics being on
1: time? Free food. Free free food always works. It's always free food. It's it's (laughs) free food. Hot wings. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, man. That's right. No, there's been a lot of of studies about that. and you know your 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 word lure. Um, you, you know, going back to the original thought about cars and flexibility and all that. You know, there's a certain type of uh, of job or employee that, uh, and even family status that allows you to do the public transportation. Because I don't necessarily have a I, I won't need to maybe leave early and pick up a, a sick child from school or I won't need to uh, 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 my doctor's office is near my work or oh, on a right. public transit line so I can I don't need the flexibility of my car during the day um, those kind of things that type of person it works well for um, there's been a lot of uh, efforts around the country to provide those kind of uh, sort of drop of a hat services that when your child does get sick, you have a way of getting back out to your suburb or whatever to take care of that in, in some kind of a, uh, a reverse commute sort of uh, um, you know, taxi cab sort of thing that would get you out there. Uh, because there is the need for that and that's those those things that keep people from being able to to jump all in for transit.
2: I've always Um, wanted to ask a research scientist like yourself this question. I when know. (laughs) If you don't know, we're in trouble. When an object is going 70 miles an hour, a car on a highway, and it's rolling along at 70 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden all of those objects stop for no apparent reason, and you get up to where that traffic... Is snarled up and driving you up a frigging wall. What is the reason why those cars that were doing 70 unimpeded have to stop? You, you, you know, <laughs> do, like you,
1: there's no reason up. There's nothing that says there's a, they should have stopped. What
2: there? what creates? What creates the traffic jam on the pike every day? I mean, it's like everybody at some point, every, if everybody's rolling along at 70, why does anybody ever end up doing 25?
1: Uh, a, a while back there was a great there's a, there was a great visual that was that was created to explain this and so uh everybody needs to go get some some dry rice yeah. and a funnel and start pouring that rice into the funnel and at some point in time it'll actually clog up and quit running through the funnel
3: ah. and that
1: that generally is what happens. All it takes is for a few of those grains to get kind of turned sideways yeah. and or, you know, not flowing through. And next thing you know, it's clogged up. Well, that same sort of thing happens on a roadway in that all it takes is one car that is unsure where they're going. Or mm. maybe it's two 18-wheelers back-to-back coming down an entrance ramp that sort of start that 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 effect and then the rest quality. of us are
2: screwed and, the re-
1: pretty soon. <laughs> and so but but the part you know the the real problem is you don't see that at two in the morning as much or at, at maybe even midday but when there's when the demand is there and everything's running right on the edge of congestion you know all it takes is that that first that first you know small pilot light and it next thing you know Red light, red light, red light, everybody's slowing down, backing up, and uh-huh. by the time you get up there in front of it, you say, Nothing happened.
2: Yeah, right. No, there's and, nothing there's never anything up there when you when you get there because you want right. you want to yell right. at somebody, but <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> is my final question for you, David, is here in Boston, does it get any better or does it get
1: worse for us? I think I I don't know that it will get w- a lot worse, and and I say that with a, with a little bit of hope. Um, <laughs> you know, technology technology is improving things. Um, w- even as something as simple as information, like ways you know, it, like, ways and stuff w- like yes, that. Yes, right, like exactly. You know, ten years ago, you know, we we didn't have all these things. Um, Some areas had the changeable message signs and stuff that would that would display, hey there's a crash up at uh, this interchange, you know, uh, avoid it. Well that was useful, right? You started to adjust your pattern. Now you have these these devices that are telling you, you know, maybe how you ought to go about your trip on a day-to-day basis. And soon we'll have cars that are talking to themselves and to the roadway infrastructure. And hopefully, when though all those things are put together, we have less of that rice in the funnel effect, and we get a little bit more of a smooth transportation uh, you know flow happening because if if you and i if if I am not certain about where I'm going and I'm driving very cautiously and i'm I maybe hitting my brakes a couple of times because I'm trying to figure out which lane I need to be in. Well, if my car knows where I'm supposed to be going and it doesn't hit brakes and things, then maybe I don't start that boomerang effect mm. of of the cars behind me slowing down. So, hopefully, going forward, technology helps us. Yeah. Um, you know, we're getting we're getting smarter about these things every day. Uh, as a as a really as a, internationally, we're getting better about how to deal with this and coming up with new ways. So I, I look. I, I'm optimistic to the future. Yeah, there's still going to be problems because you have what five million people in the Boston area trying to maybe get to the same place on the same day, uh-huh. uh, and so there's going to be problems. But I, I hope that as we move forward, that uh, that we're a little bit more um, uh, we're operationally we're we're more efficient uh, because of technology and and all the capabilities that that gives us.
2: Well, thanks for, I don't know if you made us feel better, but at least we feel like there's some <laughs> yeah. kind of a, there's an explanation. We have a better understanding. Yeah we, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do. We won't yell and, as much.
0: Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Well, since this interview is happening in the summer, I'll tell you, go enjoy your weather because you could be in you know the South and it'd be 100. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All yeah. right.
2: All right. That's good. David, thank you so much for joining us with a little extra sauce on the traffic around here.
1: I appreciate it. Enjoyed it. <laughs>
2: That's going to do it. Where else can you go to get uh, extra sauce on brandy and the traffic in the city of Boston? Mm. Although if you mix the two of those together. Traffic will uh, just be uh, worse. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, you're going to be arrested <laughs> yeah. uh, unless you're a passenger. You're the cause of the traffic uh, by, at that point. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us this week for Extra Sauce. And you can subscribe to Extra Sauce, our podcast podcast. On iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, or you can just go to wafcom extra sauce. And we'll be back next
1: week. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here.
0: Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with
1: eligible trade in when you switch.